trying to think this past week is was I going to deal with my good buddy, Reverend Landry, says, so are you going to deal with Valentine's Day? Are you going to deal with love, brother? And I said, ah, I'm thinking about it. So uh, I'm trying to I'm going to deal with love. Love is everything. Love is, what does love have to do with it? Everything. So, uh, and that's what our passage is this morning. First Corinthians chapter 13. What's love got to do with it? Everything. Paul writing to the church at Corinth. To get the proper context, and you know we're all about context, you've got to understand that 1 Corinthians 13 is in the middle of chapter, before chapter 12 and after chapter four, before chapter 14. And we use this for a lot, people use this passage for a lot of things. And a lot of times we use it not really understanding the context of which it's really written because it's sandwiched in between chapter 12 and chapter 14. And what we want to find out is what is it all about? Chapter 12, we, talk with, we talked about off and on in our studies on Wednesday night, dealing with the spiritual gifts. We are all one body in Christ, how God uses the one spirit, and the gift of healing, the gift of this and the gift of that. And then that the body is one. It may have many members, but we all are what? One body in Christ. And if you read down through chapter 12, you find all that out. Chapter 14 deals with the prophecies and tongues and speakings and teachings. The chapter 12 talks about the gifts and how it's manifested. Chapter 14 deals with the gifts and how it is used and, and explained and worked out. In the middle of that comes this wonderful chapter 13 that you see at weddings, you hear at all sorts of gatherings. And the key thing, if you remember nothing else of what I'm about ready to say, realize that love is everything. He says in chapter 13, if I speak... In the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecy, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. More, no more excellent words have ever been spoken than what Paul talks about there in that last verse. The English language is, is a difficult thing. 
Anybody that comes from another country to try to figure out how to speak our language has a lot of difficulty because of the way we use words. Love is one of those words. I could say I love my car. I love fried chicken. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my church. Same word, depending on the use of how the same L-O-V-E speaks to the love I could have for my wife. And that same L-O-V-E is the same word that could speak of how I love my car, which I don't really love my car, but, you know, it's a van. That's kind of, that's kind of hard to figure out, how that one word can mean so many different things. The same love I have for my wife is the same love I can say, I love God. I love Jesus Christ. Same word. In the Greek language, there are many words that, that they use to express what love is. Some of those words you will never see written in biblical text because it has no meaning for the Bible. Whenever we look at the word love in the Bible, it usually comes out of the context of that word agape. And we're going to get to that in a few moments. Love is essential is what he talks about in verses 1, 2, and 3. Love is essential. Love is important. Love, love is, 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 is the groundwork of what Paul's trying to get the Corinthian church to see because the Corinthian church was blessed with a lot of gifts. Their problem was they weren't using the gifts properly. And that's what Paul's really trying to get them to see in this 13th chapter is that you can have all these things, but if you have not love, you're missing the whole boat. So chapter, verses 1, 2, and 3 of 1 Corinthians 13, love is essential. Love is a greater virtue than the gifts. Notice what he says here. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so I can say to a mountain, be removed, but have not, there it is, love, I'm nothing. Amen? Amen? And if I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body up to, to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. All those things, Paul says, is why love is essential. If, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, I'm able to, to express myself with a Bible context. I'm able to explain the mysteries. And, and what he's really talking about here is the fact that the tongues would deal with languages. If I know all these different things, but I do not have love, I'm missing the point. If, I give my, if I'm going to give all that I have back to God, I'm giving away every single, all my money, my cars, my house, everything I'm giving to God. If I say I'm going to sacrifice my body to be burned, I'm going to throw myself on the grenade, I'm going to throw myself on the fire, and I don't have out of that the motive of love, it doesn't mean anything. Amen? And in this church, they had all kinds of gifts. And what Paul's trying to get them to see is, if you're using your gift not out of a motivation of love for God and a motivation of love towards your fellow man, then whatever you and I may do absolutely does not mean anything. It's become a clanging cymbal. Is that what he says here? It becomes a, a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I go over here and hit the drums, I'm going to just go, Psh! that's it. Amen? It just makes a noise. But in the right context, when it's played with music and there's other instruments around it, then that becomes an expression of 
something that we can appreciate and admire. So love is essential. Love is a key thing. No matter what you and I are doing, we ought to do it out of love. He says that the ecstatic gifts in, the, in verse 1 are worthless. And the same goes for the teaching. If I have prophetic powers, and if I understand all mysteries, and I have all knowledge, if, if I do that and have love and have not love, it, it doesn't mean anything. Now, the word that he uses for love is the word agape, which means this. Love that sacrifices for the good of others. Got it? Love that sacrifices for the good of others. That's what the New Testament, when it uses the word love, that's what it's talking about. A love that sacrifices for the good of others. You got to ask yourself, and I need to ask myself, do I have that type of love that I am willing to sacrifice for the good of others, for the good of someone else? Can't answer that question for you. You need to answer that for, answer that for yourself. So love is essential. Next thing is love is effectual. Love is effectual. The gifts have no spiritual effect on the life of the church if there is no love. The gifts that he talks about have no spiritual effect on the life of the church if there is no love. For it is love that the Spirit uses to build the church. Shall I read that again? You understand what I'm trying to tell you? It is, listen to me, the gifts have no spiritual effect on the life of the church if there is no love. And he's not talking about what he says love. He's talking about what I just told you, what love is, that sacrificing of the good for others. If that's not the love that the spiritual gifts have, then it doesn't mean anything. He's not talking about that emotional love where we all feel good and this is a friendly, warm church. And all that. That's not the love he's worried about. That's not the love he's talking about. He's talking about do we have the love that is willing to sacrifice for others? That's the love. And what I'm saying is all the gifts, all the things that we have that make up our churches, if we don't have no spiritual faith, they mean nothing. They're not impacting the church. They're not impacting the people around us if we do not have love. And love is defined not by, ooh, he sure sang well today. Ooh, she played well today. Ooh, it's a nice warm feeling I get when I, no, 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 no. He ain't talking about that kind of love. He says, listen, if, if all these gifts are to have any effect, then it ought to be shown with that agape type love that is willing to sacrifice for others. If I don't have and you have, I'm willing to give what I have that you might have. I heard some ums in here. That's the love he's talking about. Somebody said in one of our classes not too long ago, we were talking about maybe this past Wednesday, that our love needs to be put into what? Action. I love you, brother. Really? We, we, we talked about husbands and wives. You know, if I'm, never, if I'm never home, I never spend any time at all with my wife, and I keep telling her, I love you, Sheila. And she says to herself, uh, what was the last time you were at the house? When was the last time I saw you? You say you love me. When was the last time that you 
took me somewhere. When was the last time that we went out? When was the last time we did anything? You say you love me, but you're never around. We had an interesting discussion uh, the other Wednesday because it used to be a time that uh, church membership was defined as uh, this way, that if you made Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday morning worship, and then back in the old days we had Sunday evening services, and you made it to Wednesday night, at least three of the services out of the services for a week, that was considered a member in good standing. What we find out in our lesson the other week is that's changed in some areas. It's changed, really changed, changes. Now, if you make three services out of the month, three services out of the month, you're now, in some churches, considered in good standing. A reduction of 75%. If I make three services out of the month of February, Pastor, I'm good. Then we have more than three services a month. And the question was asked. Where is our commitment and our love for Jesus? If we're willing to say, if I make it just, you ought, Pastor, you ought to just be happy. I make it once. You tell me, I mean, you know, you don't know how hard it is, Pastor. I mean, if I just come once, a, once, once, once a month, you ought to consider yourself church ought to be blessed that I just made it. No, no, you wouldn't do that on your job. You, you, you try knocking out seventy-five percent of your time at your job and see how long they keep you there. You try knocking off 75% of the time that you say you want to be with your family and your wife, and you see how that works. But when it comes to the church, and when it comes to Jesus, that's a whole, well, God understands. Okay. I'm glad you said that. Gifts have no spiritual. We got to do this out of love. For it is love that builds the church. Amen. It's love that, that causes us to, to want to build into one. First Corinthians 8, chapter 1. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 says, out of all this love, love builds up. How are you going to be encouraged and build up if you're never around? And how are you not going to build up one another if we don't even know what building up means? I was telling somebody the other day, you know what? I love everybody, but some people I, I can't be around. I can't be around negativity, downness, sadness, Despair, oh, woe is me, gloom and doom, ain't nothing good happening. The good and the bad, and the, oh, no, 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 I can't be around you. I mean, I love you, and I'll speak to you, and, oh, but I can't stay around that because that, that just brings me down. If I don't see in you that, that, that when, I'm, when we're together, we're encouraging one another, we're uplifting one another. Yeah, life has got some difficulties. Yeah, there are problems in all of our lives. But guess what? We serve a great God who's bigger than your problem. And I like to use the analogy of Pigpen in the Peanuts character. Wherever you watch the Peanuts movies or the little shows, wherever Pigpen went, there was that cloud that followed him all over the place. It was dirt is what it was. Some people, that's, their cloud is gloom and doom. The sun is out. Yeah, but it's cold outside, man, I tell you. We know that. But can't you just rejoice? I came out this morning, I said, oh, this is good. There's some crisp blueness to the sky. I got excited because I was thinking, okay, they talk about the gloom and doom report is, by this afternoon it's going to get cold and we're going to have snow and blah, 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 and all that. Thank God tomorrow's a holiday. Most kids won't be in school. Sorry, kids, you miss a day off. But tomorrow's a holiday, no school. But uh, no, when I saw the blueness, I was there. Some people are like that. They, you know, you say, isn't God good? And they go, well, I got this, brother. I got this ache and pain. I'm like, 
but God is still good. The fact that you're standing here telling me you got an ache and pain, this means God is good. Because somebody has some aches and pains, they ain't saying nothing. Amen? We're to build up one another. Now, notice what he says there. He gives us a whole lot of analogy. If I wanted to, we could take a couple weeks and break this down. But from verse 4 on, he talks about love is. What is it? Love is patient and kind. That's what love is. Love is patient and kind. Do unto others as you want them to do to you. The way you would like to be treated is the way you and I ought to treat one another. And above all that, he says, the first thing he says, love is patient. How much patience does it take to deal with us? I will tell you, a whole lot of patience to deal with us. I was talking to one of my fellow pastors in the ministry, and I said, man, I want to tell you something. Dealing with us is a hard thing. We some hard folks, I'm telling you. He said, oh, yeah, man, who are you talking to? Just to get our minds, get our minds out of the, the, the gloom and doom and the negativity to see that we serve a great big God and that nothing's impossible with God. What happened last year has no indication of what God is able to do this year if we're willing to commit to do what God wants us to do. But uh, we don't see it. I got to see it first. I got to see the church. You talk about praying 24, 34 folks coming in. I ain't seeing it. I've been waiting for it. We're in February, the second Sunday of February, and the church isn't no more packed. And you keep talking about we need to pack this place out. I ain't seeing it. Well, because you don't see it doesn't mean it won't happen. Maybe the problem is you're the problem, not the solution. Oh, why did he say that? Because what are you and I doing to go out to a dying world and compel people to come? Absolutely nothing. Let's be honest with ourselves. What do we do? I, could, I put the challenge out to all of us from here back. If you and I are not talking to one person, one person last week that we talked to and witnessed to, or we talked to and invited them to the house of God, I ain't asking you to raise your hand because I almost know the answer. How many of us talked to one person from last Sunday to this Sunday and said, I ask you, do you know Christ is your Savior? I ask you, you know what? Why don't you come to church with us? Come, come to church with me Sunday morning. I didn't say, I'm not going to say nobody didn't do it, but not enough of us did it enough that it made a big impact on where we, where we are this morning. Amen, lights and walls. I know it's convicting. That's from the pulpit to the door. And you're not going to convince me that we, didn't see, we weren't out and about living our lives and we don't know one person that we cannot talk to about the good news of the gospel. Out of love, where is your love? Isn't that what the song said? Where's your love? Wasn't that a song? Where's your love? Don't talk to me about people are leaving. Don't talk to me about people aren't coming. when We're not doing anything to bring them in. And notice the operative word is we. I know it's convicting. But love is patient and kind. Love never simmers with jealousy. Is there any jealousy in the house of God? I hope not. But reality is probably there is. Amen. He says, love is not boastful or proud. Is that, is that part of, in the, is that in the body of Christ anywhere? Ooh, yeah. We boast in what we have. We boast in our bank accounts. We boast in our cars. We boast in our pride of our kids. We boast, in, we boast a lot of stuff. I'm the man. Well, maybe you are, maybe you're not. 
I know I look good today. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I'd rather for somebody else to tell me that I look good than for me to tell myself. Because you can look good on the outside, but on the inside, woof. I deliver for, for UPS, and one of the things I noticed is I met a lot of beautiful women. Maybe not by the world standards, but they were beautiful internally. And some of them were physically attractive. But what made them physically attractive was what was on the inside. I'm like, no, she's a, she's a good-looking woman. By her countenance, by the way she carries herself, that means more than the outside. There's a lady I know that's in Hollywood that I think part of her problem is she's got some issues. Beautiful woman. Oh, yes. Any man would be out of his mind not to want her on his arm. But when I look up, trace through her life, I'm thinking there's got to be a problem. It's not always, it's not, it can't be all the guys. There's something not right with her. Be careful what you ask for. You start out with, like I told young people at this conference, the little uh, thing I did at Christian school, I said, oh, you start out and, and young and vibrant and vigorous, and she's got the figure eight, and you got the eight, uh, six-pack, and everything's great and hunky-dory, and then about five, six, seven years into it, or maybe not even that long, all of a sudden, you know, the little expansion happens, and little, the, 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 the six-pack becomes a keg, and, and uh, the figure eight becomes a figure O, and, you know, the, the hair's getting thinner, and, and at one time, you know, you should be able to go to bed, and, and you had to, but now you got to think, it takes, it, takes, it takes an army to get this stuff together now. And you say to yourself, oh, my God, what happened here? Well, time, brother, sister. But love overlooks all that. I mean, you, to, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying, honey, you know, you, you need to lose weight. There's nothing wrong with saying that. But don't... <laughs> But don't, but don't act like you don't love them. I mean, there are people who get divorced because things have changed physically. I'm like, seriously? You're going to leave your wife or husband because they don't look like, guess what? Part of the wrinkles and part of the gray hair that my wife has is because of me. Amen? If y'all were ever going to say amen, that would have been the perfect time to say it. Thank you. But love. What's love got to do with it? Everything. Love is not rude or self-seeking. It doesn't, it doesn't promote itself. Love is not provoked. It does not harbor ill thought. If you're sitting in a church and you're wishing ill on somebody, you need to get out. I ain't going to say, we'll pray for you. Maybe that'd be better if somebody said, my God, he's getting people out of the church. Well, sometimes I feel like that. How can you sit in the house of God and wish ill on another brother or sister in Christ? I love you, brother, but I pray that you have a flat tire when you go out. I love you, brother, but I just don't wish you well. People say, does this happen? Pastor, you, you say this stuff, and I don't think this. Well, who are you talking about? Let me tell you something. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. The same attitudes that are out in the world, we bring in with us. You've heard me say it for the last few weeks, if you're not coming in on fire and, and ready to serve and worship God, don't expect anything to change after you get it because you've already brought in the water. You know? And I may or may not be Elijah. Elijah let us soak the whole altar and then he's called fire down to heaven and there was fire. But if there's enough water on there, I'm not him. When we look out and we see how people react and how they don't react and how people just seem like, then you wonder, well, Jesus, have mercy. It's going to take... You know, I got to prime the pump to try to get everybody to say, God, thank God. 
He's a great God whether we love him or whether we don't love him. God's going to love us no matter what. Amen? And what he says is his love is perfect. Love gives victory. That's why love is eternal. Love is effectual. Love is eternal. Amen? Oh, then love is essential. Love is effectual. And then love is eternal. 8 through 13. It says this. How do you know it's eternal? Love never ends. Amen? Love never ends. As for prophecies, as for those things that pertain to the word of God, as those things that are proclaimed, as those things that were predicted, as for prophecies, they will pass away. Amen? As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when, that, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Then he tells us in 11, hey, put away some of your childishness. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Some of us need to grow up. Amen? For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now we know in part. Then we shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Those things, love is eternal. That's what he just told us. Love is eternal. Why? It never ceases. Oh, the prophecies that God said, they're going to pass away. The issue of tongues, whether you talk about ecstatic tongues or you talk about languages or you're talking about all the various uh, things that pertain to they're going to cease. Tongues was given as a certain sign, as a certain sign, sign for a specific time. They did not have this. So tongues was used as a sign, a miraculous supernatural sign, to say that what was happening was authentic. We no longer have to have that because we got this. The authenticity of the Word of God is we've got the complete Bible. Either we believe it or we don't. Do we need to have miraculous healings? No. Why? Because we have full scripture now. When Jesus was healing, when the apostles was healing, that was to authenticate who they were. They're not here. I don't have that power, but we have the power of God that resides in the word of God. Can God heal? Oh, yes, he can. Oh, yeah. I believe he can, and I believe times he does. I, I, I'm not going to limit God to say, well, no, God doesn't heal. Yes. Call the elders of the church. Anoint them with oil. Pray. I thought about having my son come up here and say, Pong, son, we're going we're to call the saints of God together. We're going to call everybody up, and we're going to lay hands on him and get this thing over with. Amen? There's a biblical principle. People don't do Churches don't do it, but we can not because the pastor has some miraculous power. I can, I can just bring out that, that kidney stone. No, it's the prayer of the saints of God. Praying on one accord, saying, Lord, you know what? We know you can. You know, I just pray. Look, I'm, t- I'm sick and tired of dealing with this thing. Once I prayed with God the other night, I'm like, you know, I'm, come on, get this thing over with. Help it get past, get, let's get this out. Not tomorrow, not next, today. Amen. I said, you talk to God like that? I sure do. You know, I'm like, Jesus, we've been dealing with this for two weeks and three weeks now. What's going on here? Let's get this over with. And if that doctor don't know what he's doing, I'm going to go say, dude, what are you doing? I watched, I was talking to my wife the other morning. We watched this little show that comes on uh, CW, Dr. Pohl. He's a veterinarian. It's amazing. I told my wife, isn't this interesting? He walks in, tells, tell, he's telling farmers, look, he takes his, he's checking on pregnancy. 
got his arm all the way up to here in a cow, and he says, six months, uh, 65 days. And I thought to myself, maybe we should go to veterinarians. Because <laughs> they're able to make a diagnosis, and it's right, and it's, the, the animal, this cow is near death. Dr. Paul said, give it to us, and he gave it to her, and old mama cow stood up and said, Murr! and away she went. We're going to the doctor, and it's like, okay, well, you know, like, man, those Marcus Welby days are over with. Remember Marcus Welby? Go and see Marcus Welby, and he would tell you what was wrong with you, and you got well just that day. Now it's a long, protracted issue. We got to do more tests. More tests? How much is this going to cost me? You know, my insurance, this is costing me. How much are you putting in your pocket, dude? We need to get back to that. We want to be able to come to a place where we can say, look, love is what overrides everything that we do. Amen? It's all about love. love. Love, what does love have to do with it? Love is the most important thing. Amen? Yeah. Believers loving Christ and one another. Are you a believer? If you are, we're to love one another. And it's hard loving one another. Especially when people don't do like I think and like you think they ought to do. Well, can't they just see this? This is so obvious. What's wrong with them? Well, that's from your perspective. The dynamic of the church is how do you take different mindsets and put it on one accord? Because sometimes you're thinking over here, she's thinking over there, he's thinking back over here, and you're thinking, wait a minute, how is this working? The common denominator is our faith in Christ. We come into the unity of the body as one because of what Christ has done. If Christ is working in your life, and Christ is working in my life, he becomes that common denominator that allows the church to be one. Chapter 12, all the gifts. Paul says the church has given all these gifts, but yet the gifts differ in how they are displayed, and yet we're to be one body in Christ. You cannot do that without Jesus Christ being the center of the church and love being the motive by which we use our gifts. Holding the truth in love, practicing the truth because we love him. Amen? Don't tell me. Don't, 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 don't tell me you love me. Nah, I'm going to put the test on you. Say, what's the test? 419, 1 John 419. That's where the test is. He says, listen to this, 1 John 419. We love why do we love, Pastor? Glad you asked that question. We love because he first loved us. You can't love me unless I know God loved me first. The fact that God loved me is now enabled me to love you. Without that, I can't love you. And guess what? You can't love me. We love because. The reason why we love is because he first loved me. And then he says, if anyone says, I love God. Well, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you're putting that out there. But here's the case. Here's the proof. I love God and hate his brother. You're a liar. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. Don't call people liars. I didn't call people liars. God in his word said, you're a liar. If you say. That's not what he says. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And, by the way, and this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God <laughs> must love his brother 
must also love his brother. A commandment that if you say you love God, you're duty bound to love me. You got no choice. This is, this is not optional for me to you or you to me or to one another. We just got to love. Amen. And then back in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus at getting ready to go through some things here, and he's speaking with his disciples. 34, 35, again, he says, and here it is, there's that word. We don't like that word, but it's a good word. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I loved you. You also are to love one another. Well, what's the result of all this? By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If a dying world is to know we have the love of God, and if a dying world sees that we love one another, he says, by that reason of our love, by the reason of all that love, by this all people will know, not question, not doubt, they will know that you are my disciples. You are a disciple of Christ on how you and I love one another. First John tells us, now Jesus himself says it. By this, all people will know you are my disciples. If, condition, if you have love for one another. How are they going to know Cornerstone Baptist Church is a church? If we have love for one another. If that isn't here, we're wasting our time. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe that's it. Maybe we need to ask ourselves, do we really love one another? Because if we do, the world will know. They will know we are Christians by our love. The greatest example, the greatest example of love is what God had for us when he sent his son to die on a cross for people like you and I. For God so loved the world. What did we say love was? We talked about what love is. It's the willingness to sacrifice for the good of others. God gave his son as a sacrifice for our good. Oh, amen. I mean, God gave the best that he had, his son. He sacrificed his son. His son sacrificed his life that you and I might have a right to eternal life. That's the best love we could ever have. Never doubt God's love. Because in the person of Jesus Christ, he loved us. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shores, barely deeply safe within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters of sin and degradation, from all the things that were pulling me back into a, a state of non-belief, from all those things that was, that was grabbing a hold of me, pulling me in the wrong direction. From that, he lifted me. Now safe am I. See, you got to take the, it's one thing, I don't know if we understand. You can sit here and listen to all that's been said, but if you don't internalize it, if you don't see yourself as being that person, that man, that woman that was lost, 
on your way to hell. You know what? With all, with all the blessings God's given us, I think we think we're, we're pretty good people. You know, we got nice houses, we got nice cars, we dress. I don't, I, we don't see ourselves as being too messed up. Guess what? We're messed up. The fact that you think because you have a nice house or nice cars or nice job and all those things that, that trap us, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty good, you know what? I'm a pretty good dude. I mean, I ain't as bad as Pastor. I mean, he's messed up. I ain't as bad as Marianna. No, she's messed up. No, 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 we're all messed up. And the love of God, that God would send his son to save, save me from myself. Amen? That's a whole lot of love. You know how I know that? Now, I close on this point. It is hard for us to love one another. Just think about how hard it was God, for God to love us. You ever think about that? As hard as we are with one another trying to love each other, just think of how hard it was for God to look at a dying world that hated him and, and it, was, it was against everything that his son ever stood for. And yet he loved the world. He loved us enough that he said, listen, Jesus could have said, and he tried to get out of it, but he, he couldn't do it. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he's like, you know what, Father? This cup is bitter. I, to be honest, I don't really want to go through this. If it's your will. Oh, I can walk out of here. If it's your will. But the sacrifice of love for the good of others is, if it's your will, take it from me. But if not, allow me to be able to make it through. Do you think something in your life is so hard, so, so big that you can't make it through? Whatever it may be. Is that where you're at today? That there's something in your life that is so surmountable that you don't even know how you're going to make it. In fact, you've already said to yourself, I can't make it. Well, you may be right. You can't make it. With the weight of sin of the world on Jesus, with your sin and my sin on him, knowing what he had to do as they led him through the streets with the cross, do you not think he thought that was insurmountable? But the love of the Father trusting in he who he knew was going to enable him to make it through. When they had beaten him to a pulp, his back was raw, and he had to carry that old cross, and when he stumbled, and they still were cracking the whip on him. Get up! You know why, you know why he got up? Because he saw you, and you, and me, and you, and you, and you, and you. He saw that. What great love. What does love have to do with it? Everything. Amen. My challenge to you and I, we need to have that type of love. Father, we thank you for that great love you have for us. So much for that you died for me. I can't worry about what my people think, I know you died for me. And I confess today, I haven't been all that I should be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. And thank God also that you're working on me day by day, moment by moment. Help me to see 
the love you had for me. And help me to have that same love when I look at other people. The love that says, you know what? Please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. Thank you for your love that looks beyond our faults and meets us right where we're at. Don't know, but perhaps today there's a man, one boy, and girl that does not know about that love. Has never said, you know what? I want the love of Christ that should be shed abroad in my heart. If they're here today, allow them to come. And say, you know what? I want Jesus to be a part of my life. I want to be be saved from my sins. And placed on the road towards holiness, righteousness. Know what it means to be a Christian because of what Christ has done. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.